Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for a new day. We want to thank you for the beginning of this new year. We want to thank you for our first Wednesday teaching service. We want to thank you for the theme for this year, Work for the Lord. And as we begin our Work for the Lord series, we pray that you will raise an army of workforce in this house to make the kingdoms of this world the kingdoms of our God. That we will go about the Father's business and work for the Lord from the bottom of our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seat in the beauty of holiness. Amen. So, I'm starting the Work for the Lord series. And the first, so I'll just be teaching on working for the Lord most of the time on the Wednesday teaching um, service, the honeycomb teaching service. And um, the foundational series for work for the Lord is going to take us eight Wednesdays to complete. What it means is that I'm just going to lay the foundation of working for the Lord for the next eight weeks. When it takes you eight weeks to lay the foundation of a sermon, it means a sermon is going to be a very long series. It also means that I want you to big, build very work for the Lord in a very, very big way. That's why I'm laying this foundation. Amen. You are either working for the Lord or wrecking for the devil. Which one are you doing? Yes. If you don't work for the Lord, you wreck for the devil. You destroy the church for the devil. You gossip in the church and people's faith are weakened. You attack people who work in the church. You attack your pastors. You attack all manner of things. You fornicate in the church. You commit adultery in the church. And um, you fight in the church. When you do all these things, you are wrecking the church for the devil. But when you are bringing in souls, you are in the department mentally doing something for the Lord. And then we say you are working for the Lord. Amen. So let's start the series. I want to begin the Work for the Lord series with the subject, Understanding Your Relationship with God. And this is going to go for eight weeks, probably ten weeks, probably twelve weeks. As the Lord continues to speak to me, we may go a bit longer. When I even travel, the pastors will continue. I'll give them my notes and they will continue. This year, anybody who preaches here, except those who are fatherly figures to me. But anybody who preaches here from Sunday, Wednesday, or any of the service, you have to preach with my notes. Well, God has given me a message for you. And I, I want a message to be preached. That is all. I, I, don't, I don't want to raise Kwashiorkor children here. I don't want the children, my, my spiritual children to be malnourished. So I prepared very good dishes, very, very good dishes from Momutuo to Kokonte, you know, and, and I, I want to teach you and make sure you are well fed. Amen. Can I preach now? Understanding your relationship with God. So there are those who work religiously in church and those who work relationally in Christ. So it should be in Christ. So there are those who work religiously in church and those who work relationally in Christ. There are two different groups of people. Those who are working religiously in church. We love you. We love you. And those who are working relationally in Christ. The differences are the religious people loves their church. Oh, they love their church. And whether the church is growing them spiritually or the church doesn't grow them spiritually, they just love their church. For them, the brand association with the church is important to them than, than an association with Christ. 
you know, they love their church more than they love the Christ of the church. They will fight to protect the interest of their church than to fight to protest and defend the faith. So the religious people love their church. The relational person loves Christ. And you know, when you love someone, you can do anything from the, for the person. Do you understand? And then, those who work religiously for the church focuses, the person who works religiously for the church focuses on recognition of men. They talk like, I have worked sir, in this church. No, I've not even been promoted. The last time they made people deacons or elders, I was not. I should have even been a pastor, but I'm not. I've worked here, sir. Nobody has even recognized me. Not even certificate of appreciation. But those who work relationally, who have relationship with God, they focus, they focus on the rewards in heaven. They focus on the yeah, yeah, yeah. They focus on the reward. You know, when we were growing up, and teachers they used to say that a teacher's reward is in heaven. At that time, most people who were teachers saw teaching as a calling, and they loved God. At that time, most of the schools belonged to the churches: Methodist schools, Anglican schools. Roman Catholic schools, Presbyterian schools, and they were Presbyterian teachers, Presbyterian Methodist teachers, and all those things. And they saw teaching as a calling that God will reward them. So I was a weak student. I was a very, very weak student in a public school, but my teacher would come home on weekend. At no cost to my mother or father, because which cost? We didn't have the money to pay for any cost. And the teacher would come and help me. It was during those days that a class of plenty children, the teacher would sometimes take all of us, our notebooks, and write the homework in it. Did you ever get a teacher like that? Everybody's homework, especially for those who couldn't write well, the teacher would take your notebook and copy the Homework he has put on the notebook, on the uh, blackboard. Then we had blackboard. You will copy it in your book for you. And give it to you. To go home and do it. It was amazing because they, have, they were focused in heaven. Now, there's a fight that, oh, they say the teacher's reward is in heaven. It was to deceive us to be poor. But no, you see, everything you approach it, Based on your relationship with God, you look beyond the physical. You look at the spiritual. Okay? Now, those who are religious in working for God, they work in church. Whereas those who have relationship with God, they work in Christ. You see, there are, there are people here who are working here. Thank you. They are in the ushering team. They are in the choir. They play instruments. They are elders. They are deacons. They are all those things. But their work for God end here. When I say, let's go for evangelism, they don't go. They, they, they will never, they will step, no matter how I announce it under the anointing. They will still not come. For them, they work in church. They don't work in Christ. I'm telling you. And some of us will be surprised in heaven how, if you make it to heaven, how Jesus will tell you all the things you did and how you didn't do it well. Because you did not do it in him. You did it outside him. Okay? And then there are those who work with skills. They are religious people. We tell Go for the accountants who are using the accounting skills to help us manage the church well. We, we thank God for the PR guys who are helping us to do all the PR work, the audiovisual. We thank you all. We thank you. We thank the instrumentalists. It's not like your skills are not needed. But I can tell you, 
that do you know the things that the keyboard that Che plays and the drums that Ransford and Daniel plays and the lead guitar that Omo and the oh son forgive me eh I've forgotten your name our Rasta son my Rasta son where is he what is his name cry uh, no I know MG Victor 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 where is he because he was playing right now now I don't see Victor ah Victor you are there you are there you are there Victor, we know you have had a few conversations. I've forgotten your name. Uh, usually, I get uh, it's after 10 times that I remember the name. So, Victor, forgive me. Eh? See, all these skills they have here, Shatawali and his band, they have it. Do, do you know Stone Boy? They have it. Do you know Stone Boy can come here and lead praises? Is it? Or if you like, give Miss Bell the microphone. Oh, they, I'm telling you, they will sing. Who are the latest singers in town? You know, you know, you know. You have been listening to them. So he, the person just realized it's a trick question, isn't it? Okay, now I'll change my questions. I'll change my questions. You, you know, but these are, these are skills that are not just only exclusively for church people. But you see, when Pastor Fuachi, yeah, Pastor Fuachi was my pastor and he's still my pastor. You know, when Pastor Fuachi used to lead worship, he did this so prophetically. Pastor Fuachi's worship at the time, when we were going to church, we were all looking forward to Pastor Fuachi. He could prophesy based on the sound of the drum. Somebody will play the drums. And then Pastor Fache will prophesy. And whilst he's leading worship, he's seeing visions, he's seeing, and the atmosphere, you can actually cut through the atmosphere. Because these are people to lead worship or to lead praise, they will fast and pray and fast and pray. I remember the first time my big sister Franklin sang solo. She fasted dry for three days to come and sing solo at Lido. Lido of four people. Now, Lido was, was a discotheque. And our church were meeting there on Saturday mornings. When you go there on Saturday morning, you have to swim condoms and all those things before the church can start. And yet the presence of God. Today we are building all manner of sophisticated service uh, chapels, but it lacks the presence of God. Because people who are working for the Lord are working religiously, but not relationally. They are working with skills, but not with the spirit. Not with the spirit. During this, the person of will lead worship and go and lay hands on the drama and ask the drama to just play the drums. And whilst playing the drums, people, demons will be living people. Demons will be living people. Today we don't see those things happening, isn't it? Because we are very religious about the things we do. You see, religion takes relationship out and puts regulations. I'm sure when Pastor Fachi and Co were, were leading worship, they didn't know the keys. They didn't know he F, key this, key that. They did not know. Your favorite song. Heaven and the young crow. Heaven and the young crow. And he JB war. Hey, you will just leave the song in any key. At one point, we had no instrumentalists. We had nothing in the, in the uh, warehouse at Caprice. No instrumentalists. Nothing. Heaven and the young crow. Having all your dear young girl, and then he would just lay a song like this, and we can sing it for hours, and people will be lying on the ground, rolling on the ground. Now, that's why you even do deliverance services, nobody falls. And this why it was not deliverance service, it was a secondary school young man. How old were you then? 1817. From secondary school. And then he will come and stand there and lift a song. 1817. 
1817, we stand there and lift a song. Because it was not based on skills. It was based on the spirit. You know, sometimes when I tell the music department, let's train the children from the old daddy. You see, professionally, the way we want. And you see, we have become so professional, we have lost the prophetic word. Okay? We have become so professional, we have lost. In fact, nowadays, when you even watch preachers preaching, they are very professional preachers. Because, like sometimes, my people want to do me some. They want to say, Daddy, position yourself like this. Don't go here. Don't stand here. But you know, some of you are preaching, eh? You know that this place, the Lord, the emphasis of this message, if for someone here, and the Holy Spirit is leading you there to go and emphasize on, and the message will directly hit the person. But audiovisual says, when you move there, the light is dark. So don't go there. So we have all become very professional. You know, you have to move this way. You have to go that way. And sometimes, for like those of us who don't have good voices, they will just tell us that, Daddy, you see, we are trying to tune your voice. So this microphone that we have tuned is your voice. Don't shout. We have to speak at this level. You know, I have to speak. Oh, they have a location crowd where they have taken a piece of paper and they have drawn the, how my voice, you know, and where they want me to be and how I shouldn't scream and all those things. Oh, when prayer warriors are praying and because the numbers will be uh, big usually on Sunday and they want to pray and they give them microphones. Oh, they will reduce the microphone. They say they are shouting, you know, like there must be a professional way of praying. You have to, you have to professionally handle. Oh yes, 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 yes. When when Pastor Fuachi and Co were leading worship, their voices were not serene. They didn't have Celine Dion voice. They have very husky voices. But I'm telling you, the anointing that comes at the sound of their fair initial voice. Oh. Do you know when we started this church? Was a was a prison worship leader. She could go for for hours non-stop. And I remember those days, and mommy would be leading. And when she lifts a voice, oh. Well, so I'm trying to tell you that when you have a relationship with God, you are a better servant than when you are only religious okay now also i am an employer both in church and outside the church in my corporate life i'm also someone that works with a lot of volunteers for instance in church 80 percent to 90 percent of people who work here are all volunteers i have even noticed i've noticed that People's level of commitment to the works that God has given me is based on their relationship with me. There are people in my office that their relationship with me predates they working for me. And so they don't only have professional relationship with me. They some have a father-son, father-daughter relationship with me. And it defines... Some people work in my office who are members of my church. And so, they, they have the spiritual leader relationship with me. And all these things actually influence their commitment to the work that they do for me. In fact, I prefer to have a relationship. I trust those who have relationship with me who work for me. So, there, there are people that I can keep in the office like recently we have to we yesterday we had a charter application um, assessment and visit by the Ghana Tertiary Education Commission, the Almighty Ghana Tertiary Education Commission. And for three days, people in my office did not sleep together with me. I remember one of the nights, they have been doing it for days. One of the nights or two nights I spent with them, I was going home at 5 a.m. To 6 a.m. throughout the whole night. And these are people who feel that we have a relationship with this man. So, 
we are not just working within our salary space, but within our love space with this man. So relationship is very, very important. If you are my employee and I don't have any relationship with you beyond just working, I am a very, I'm very careful on what I want you to do for me. You see, Apostle Stephen is my pastor. He's also my brother-in-law. So we have two phases of relationship. Do you know when I saw him this evening coming? Then I remembered that I have a brother-in-law. Because he didn't call me Christmas. He didn't wish me happy birthday, Merry Christmas, even though I was not the one born. It was Jesus' son, Mary's son. But I wanted Merry Christmas. I wanted Happy New Year. He, so, so, so when you have a relationship with people, there's expectation. Okay? There's expectation and there's obligation. And that's why I want to take the next eight because I can teach you on how to work for the Lord and all those things. And if you do not have, you do not have the understanding of your relationship with God and go on to build and deepen your relationship with God, no matter how I talk, you will not do anything. Do, do you understand? Okay, so let me go now. In this series, at least for now, I will focus on eight relationships between God and the Christian. The first one is the potter clay relationship between God and you. The second one is the master-servant relationship between God and you. The third one is the father-children relationship between God and you. The fourth one is the shepherdship relationship. The fifth one is the vine branch relationship. The sixth one is the commanding soldier, commander-soldier relationship. The seventh one is the king-subject relationship. Then the eighth one is the savior-sinner relationship. Are you ready for us to do this? Because it will help you to look at God from different perspectives and how to relate with this God. Okay. So let's begin part one. The potter clay relationship between you, between God and you. The potter clay relationship between God and you. Few introductory statements. For your hands to work for God, the hand of God must first work on you. How many of you believe that? That the hand of God must first work on you for you to be able to work for God. Okay? To become God's workman, you must first become his workmanship. Okay? That, that's why people have charisma without character. Because there are people who want to work for God, but God has not yet worked on them. God wants to work on you before you work for him. So, so I know as an employer, if you employ someone you don't train, the person will create problems for you. So God wants to work on you so that you can work for him. And that is why the first of the series is looking at the Porter Clay relationship. Now, I want to read these scriptures and explain a few things to you. Genesis 2, verse 7, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, so from clay. So we were all formed from clay, and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. So God took clay, formed you, and then breathed into you. And once the breath of God entered into you, you became a human being. Now, when the breath of God leaves you, you become clay again. So all your two know, you have to understand that you are only alive because you are carrying the breath of God. And that's why God is amazing. Now, he breathes one and sets emotion. So when, when your mother conceived you, God did not come again to breathe. The breath is already in motion. And it's already there. It's there. Okay. Now, 
2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So there are two types of creation here. Now, the second one, the Bible calls it a new creation. Once the Bible calls it a new creation, the big question is, what happened to the old creation? Now, listen. The new creation, which was done with the clay in the Garden of Eden, was corrupted when Adam and Eve sinned against God. Okay? When Adam and Eve sinned against God, the old creation in the Garden of Eden was corrupted. Don't forget, they were created by clay and the, in the Garden of Eden and the old creation was corrupted. So now God has to recreate. But this time God said, instead of creating in the Garden of Eden, I'm creating a new man in Christ. For when that man is created in Christ, that man cannot be corrupted. <laughs> are, are you here with me? Do you, do, do you understand? Now I'm going to show you the purpose of you being created in Christ. So I am no longer the man that was created in the Garden of Eden and corrupted. I am now the man, the new man, created in Christ. Here. I have said over and over that you can be in church but not in Christ. And when you are in church but not in Christ, you still behave like the old man created in the Garden of Eden. But when you are a new man created in Christ, you behave like the one in whom you were created. Okay? So, Pastor Titi Affair was created in me. I only passed him on to mommy to carry her for me. But I was created, to carry him for me. But I was created in me. So you will see a number of resemblance, the way he walks. Even some of my nature, you will find it in him. But when you are created in someone, you carry something we call the DNA of that person. If you are created in Christ, we will see the DNA of Christ in you. So all these people who come to church, who work in different departments in the church, who are still the same. They are still weed smokers, women beaters, fornicators, committing adultery. Despite all the sermons I preach here. One day my father told me a story. My father said, a man owned a pig. A pig. And he really loved the pig. And he would bath for the pig, clean the pig, put clothes on the pig. And then, they will go up and the pig will see mud and run into the mud and go and get himself, itself dirty. The man will be crying, why can this animal treat me like this? I love, you know, white people have very weird pets. Some of you have snakes as pets. Do you, do you understand? So this man's pet was a pig. Something somebody is looking here for Domedo. Recently, I was eating somewhere with Chairman Asi, and he went to bring pork and said, Daddy, Daddy, pork, 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 pork. <laughs> that man loves Domedo. <laughs> so, 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 uh, but it's a pig. So you can imagine if Chairman Asi sees this man. And it's, it reminds me of some guys who went to Germany. Poor guys, so. And one guy, and the family sold their lands, sold their lands, sold everything. To do connection for him to go to Germany. And then saw his neighbor's cat. And caught the cat and killed the cat and made um, in Katakwan with the cat. He was deported because of cat. He was caught and deported because of cat. 
So this man speak, this man will take his pig out, and then the pig will get himself bad, uh, dirty. So, so his friend came to visit him, a medical doctor, and he complained to the medical doctor how his this thing is misbehaving and all that. The medical doctor said, can you give your cat to me for a period of time? The man gave the cat. said, I'm going to train the cat. I'm going to train the pig. So he gave the pig to the, his doctor friend. After some few weeks or dates, my father told me the story. The man brought the cat back to the father. So my father was actually preaching to me on how to become a good Christian and was telling me this. So he brought the cat. He brought the pig back to his friend. And then they went out. And was saying, the pig saw death and the pig moved away. Hey, so mad, he moved away. He tried to put the pig inside. The pig still moved away. And then, and then, he brought the pig back to his friend. He said, what did you do to my pig? The pig has changed. He said, I did a surgery. I took out the heart of the pig and put in the heart of a cat. And because cats are neat, that is why the pig is no longer behaving like a pig, but like a cat. Do you understand? When you are not recreated from your heart, you cannot become like Christ. Okay? So, those of us who are holiness focused, sometimes we even become the mockery of the young people. So, this old man, he doesn't know what he's talking about. Does you know what, how, what we feel? Does you know what we feel in our body? I don't know how you feel in your body, but I know how your body will feel in hell. I know that the rapture will come, the trumpet will sound, will be caught up with him. And I know if you miss the rapture, I know how your body will feel in hell. I'm wondering why. You know, it is more, 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 more difficult to be tested than to be hungry. Tests can kill you any, any time. Understand 70% of our body is water. Is that true? I hear 70% of our body is water. So you can imagine. And when Jesus was talking about the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man was not hungry, but was thirsty. Jesus was creating a picture of how uncomfortable hell will be. Amen. Wow. Today's your birthday, eh? Oh, happy birthday. Amen. Okay. So now, having established that God has recreated you, let me show you the process of recreation. Don't forget, our recreated man is in Christ. No longer in, in the Garden of Eden, but in Christ. Okay? It is only when you are in church but not in Christ that you continue to misbehave. So now here, Ephesians 2 verse 10, reading from the New Living Translation. For we are God's masterpiece. Hold on. Anytime you see a masterpiece, we're not talking about something created by a poet, something created by a good writer, or something created by um, uh, a porter. In this case, God is showing us that he's a porter. Already has already established that. For we are God's masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. He has created us anew in Christ. Let me show you something. The Bible, the Bible is, the Bible is a library of 66 books. And when you are doing research, you can't read only one book to do your research. You are given a number of books to read. Okay? Number of books to read. I mean, one of the, my PhD research, I had to read over 30 books or something. A number of books to read. So, the, the, the reason why you have to read different books is because each writer has an opinion on the same thing. So, you can't take one scripture and make a case out of it. So I have mentioned to you in 2 Corinthians, 
5.17 that you have been created anew in Christ. But now, I have to refer to another book that would throw more light on it because the Bible interprets itself. The Bible interprets itself. The word of God is a lamp. So it throws light on its own. So in this particular verse of Scripture, Ephesians 2.10, we are God's masterpiece. Now he's saying that the new creation, now, okay, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ. Now he still establishes, confirms that the new creation is done in Christ. But now this writer goes on to describe the nature of the new creation. And now says that the nature of the new creation is that you are a masterpiece. You are far better than the first one created there. You are a masterpiece in Christ. You have come out as a masterpiece. Powerfully designed. Wonderfully made. So if you were a fornicator before, you are no longer. No, the whole masterpiece idea is that you were a sinner before, but you are no longer a sinner. Now, what is the purpose? What is the purpose of this new creation in Christ? So we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. The good things. So what are these good things? How God anointed Jesus Nazareth, who went about doing good. What was the good that he was doing? Preaching the gospel. Working for the Lord. The good thing he planned for us is to work for him. Now, can we, can we read this? Anybody, can anybody read this? Give it a microphone to somebody to read it maybe from the King James Version. Or somebody read it from the NIV. I want to just... So, do you understand that he has recreated us anew in Christ as a masterpiece? So, I am God's masterpiece. And the purpose of that masterpiece is not about your nose, it's not about your eyes, it's not about your height, it's about what God wants to do through you and with you. Yes, please. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10. King James, okay. For we are his workmanship. For we are his, his workmanship. So when you go to, you go to a, a, a carpentry shop to buy, you see, you see the workmanship of carpenters. Okay? You go to a furniture shop to buy, you see. When you go to a jewel shop to buy, you see the workmanship of jewelers. Do you understand? The handiwork. So the Bible said, we are his workmanship. The, the whole church is supposed to be God's showroom. The believer and your family, you are supposed to be God's showroom. And, and, and you must be God's workmanship, God's masterpiece. Something he has created to his glory. And every person who creates something and the thing becomes a masterpiece, the person is proud of that thing. Do you understand? Okay, go on. Created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Unto good works. Created in Christ Jesus unto what? Good works. We have to do his works. We have to work for him. We were created anew in him as a masterpiece. And where you truly become a masterpiece is when you become a vessel of honor that God can use. A vessel of honor that God can use. A very powerful vessel of honor that God can use. So the real masterpiece is not your clothes. It's not your the kind of things you people come to church and they are, we are reduced beauty, we are reduced cause, handiwork to height, to clothes, to all those things. It is, it is, it is how you have been created to serve a certain purpose. Today, mommy and I went out to buy something and we had to make a choice between two. The two different companies have, they have produced the same thing. 
the one has a higher price than the other. But we went for the one with the higher price. But the masterpiece, the workmanship of that pen, that thing was a masterpiece. What we can use it to do, we can use it to do multiple things. Multiple things. But the other one, we could not. So, it no longer became the appearance for us. It became the usage. It was no longer the brand. It was the usage, the benefit of it. Just are you here? But are you following me? Can you, can you read the rest in there? Which God has before ordained, ordained that, that we should walk, we should walk in, in them. Hallelujah. Oh, wow. So you are not just an accident. God planned. Do you know why I'm your pastor at this stage in your life? It was planned by God. Do you know why I'm preaching this and you are there? You are in this service at this stage? Nothing in your life is an accident unless you choose to make it one. Unless you choose to make it one. Unless you choose that me, me preaching this message was coincidence. Unless you choose that me preaching this message is a boring one so you want to sleep. You know, most accidents are caused by human error than by the cars that you drive. If your tire, your car's tire is not good and you drive it, it's not the manufacturer who caused the accident. It is your stupidity. Do, do you understand? So you're not an accident, but yet you have been involved in a lot of accidents. Now you look like an accident. When you see an accident car, you look, you know. When you see an accident human being, you know. All oh, these sermons I preach here, you won't listen. And then these boys will sleep with you, and then now they abandon you. Now a group of five boys in the church. Now they all thought that they have slept with you. Now you can't get any guy to marry you in this church anymore. Because when somebody is going out with you, then somebody will say, hey, hey, this girl, yeah, sure. Or your football. Or your football. Or your football. Or your football. Or your they are like the blasters. Nobody has scored. So just forget. Uh, do you understand? Then you yourself, when you realize, when you yourself, you realize that your, your announcement is everywhere. And then you find a reason to leave the church. And then you are angry and left the church. They don't care. They don't laugh. Oh. When you see someone running, take cover. Something is chasing the person. Okay? Now, can I go on? So, I, I, have you followed me so far? Have I laid the foundation so far? I'm trying to establish the god clay relationship between you. So, the whole idea of God becoming a potter and you becoming a clay is so that he can recreate you in Christ. But there's a process of that recreation. And when God recreates you in Christ and you are truly in Christ, you become a masterpiece. The purpose of the masterpiece is for you to become a vessel of honor that God can use. Okay? A vessel of honor that God can use. That's the purpose of the masterpiece. Can we go back to my sermon on the screen? Thank you, guys. My guys at the audiovisual are very, very... Um, um, they are a masterpiece. They are a masterpiece. Now, the Greek word translated masterpiece in the New Testament, especially in the New Living Translation, is... Poema. Now, poema implies something that is crafted with exceptional skill and artistry. So, you see, in Christ, you are crafted with exceptional skill. Exceptional skill by God. God took his time to craft you. Now, God is a porter. You are the clay. But where is the vessel? Because being a clay in itself is not enough until you have been transformed into a vessel. Until you have been transformed into a vessel. And God is in that process of transforming you into a vessel. Pastor Fauci knows me when I was a young man. Now, they all testify of how proud they are about me and my ministry. Okay? Because 
I took my time like most of them did to go through the process of God converting me in Christ from a clay into a vessel of honor. I can stand here and teach you. I can stand in big platforms and speak for people to honor me and listen to me. I was just telling mommy when the charter team left uh, Accra Business School, um, with all respect for us, and I was just telling mommy when I was in secondary school, my nickname is a chancellor. Chancellor. And now I am just at the, like, like everything I live for is just about to happen. Can you imagine? Because the process, and the process has not been easy. But because my focus is with God is, is based on relationship than on religion, I have survived. Some of the challenges mommy and I have gone through, if we were only friends, but now we would have parted. And she would have been remembering me, oh, I need to know a guy in Bible school. But because there's a relationship deeper than friendship, we are married. This year is 32 years. We are married. So both of us have survived the process. The last time I was telling mommy that if I had not married you, eh, I wouldn't have known a woman that would have accepted where I've taken you through. Married you, took you to Teshin, onto an uncompleted building from Teshin to Latabi Okoshi into a building. And then from Teshin to Odoko, which was good. And then I took you now from Odoko to spin for into another uncompleted building. I said, Jenny has been very serious. And you have been there. You never complained. You have been there with me because she understood her relationship with me. This is my husband, my Lord. She represents Christ in my life. And I represent the church in his life. Do you understand? We have that, that understanding. So the issue of love and submission is not a difficult thing for us. Very difficult things for us. I tell mommy, I am your Christ. You can't do to me what you cannot do to Christ. I am your Christ. That's what the Bible says. And then I see you as the church that Christ loved and gave himself for. Do you understand? So do you know that if I don't do what husbands must do, I feel I'm failing Christ. I'm lowering the image of Christ. The way I show love to my children and show example to my children is because of the father-child relationship between me and God. I want my children to see God in me. That if God says I'm a father, how does he behave? How do fathers behave? How do fathers behave? Wow, oh, see, my wife says I'm doing it so well. So... Me, it doesn't matter how much it will cost me to make sure my children are comfortable. It will not. Because I want my children to see that when they want to picture the image of God as a fatherly figure, how would they see him? They can only see that through me. So you see the essence of relationship. The essence of deep, 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 deep relationship. My worry is that there are so many people who have relationship with their pastors but not with Christ. Who are in relationship with their church but not with Christ? Where is the Christ of the church in your life? Why do you love me more than Christ? Why do you love Pleasant Place Church more than Christ? How oh, I can love, hear this, hear this very well. I can't love my children more than I loved mommy. It can't be possible. They are the products of the marriage. We are sufficient unto ourselves. When mommy and I are having a conversation, our children come around. After a few minutes, say, you go, go, go. I'm talking to my daddy. My daddy when he came. Because we are sufficient unto ourselves. When we were, where were they? So you see, you have to let your friends know that. Listen. I love you, I appreciate you, but it can't come between me and God. 
When I'm late, mommy will drive and come to church and leave me. He's not going to say, I'm waiting for my husband. I'm waiting for my husband. No. Some of you, quarry has as you wait for your late friends. I know people who are late are dead. Hey, people who are late, everything you do, that's why they call late so and so. Like my, my big sister is now late Franklin. She's dead. So all those people are making you late to church, late to choir rehearsals, late to serve God, late to this. They are dead spiritually. <laughs> Am I preaching? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yes. I came to tell you something. I came to tell you that this year, you have to wake up. You have to wake up. God, no relationship is more important than your relationship with Christ. You cannot leave a good church because your bad friend is offended by another bad person and is leaving the church. So you follow. That's not what we do. That's not how this thing works. I'm telling you, that's not how this thing works. You are not here because of me. I'm not here because of you. We are all here because of Christ. And as far as Christ has not offended you, you cannot be bitter against the church and against anybody. That is the principle. That is the principle. Isaiah 64 verse 8. Yet you, Lord, are our father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. So you see, before you can become the work of God's hand, you have to be a clay in his hands. Mommy and I are the works of God's hand. Okay? I am a work of God's hand. So anything you appreciate about me, okay, you have to understand that this man has a certain relationship with God. He is a clay and God is a porter and he has gone through the process to get where he has got into. So I have nine minutes to close you now. I'm going to summarize. So what it means is that this one might even go beyond the eight weeks I've earlier advertised. I'm going to summarize the process and then next week I will go through the process with you stage by stage on how to become God's masterpiece. You like that? So, okay. So now, let me tell you this. I'll end here and then show you the process and then we'll continue next week. There are seven protests in your life. There are seven people who are competing with God to shape you. To shape you. Number one, your parents. Oh, your parents. Immediately you are, you were born, even when, even, see, all of us, before we even married, we had a picture of how, who we want to marry, and how we want to raise our children. How many of you did not have, you had it, isn't it? Yeah. The reason why I did science was because my mother wanted me to become a doctor. Now, still the, the dream is still there. So, I am a disappointed <laughs> medical doctor in the eyes of my mother. Even though she's very proud of who, who I've become. But now my mother says, one of my children must become, a, must become a doctor. And she has targeted my daughter, Titibia. Titibia must become a doctor. Titibia must become a doctor. You see, even grandparents want to become Potters in our lives. So, like Nana, for instance, all the family, we are all fighting him about his choice of subjects in, at A levels. And up to now, one term is gone, and the boy is insisting that the subjects we have chosen for him, he doesn't like them. And today, I had to call for the subjects he wants to be taught, they are not in the school. So now I want to, I want to, I had to hire at an extra cost. But the boy is saying that I am a clay in the hands of God, not you, parents. What, what the hell? What the hell? Why are you forcing me to become what I do not want to become? 
Do, do you understand? And we are all telling him, Nana, you have to do this, and you have to become like this, and you have to become like that, and you have to become like this. However, it's important to know that God can also use your parents. To, if your parents are prayerful and they can hear from God, they can become God's hands in your life. But most of the time, parents become their own hands in the lives of their children. Based on their own competitive uh, competition. They are competing with, with their sister's children. So my sister's child is a lawyer. You must become a lawyer. Because I must beat the competition. And they will even say it like in, in Patois. I must be the competition. Did I say it like Jamaican or Nigerian? Sometimes education can be the porter in your life. Sometimes experiences you have gone through can be the porter in your life. Coming back to education, there are people who are so educated that they have become mad. Don't forget, I have an university, so I'm not talking down education. But if you begin to have a stronghold in your mind that you imagine things that you exalt yourself above the knowledge of Christ, then there's a problem. You don't use your education to interpret the Bible. You use the Bible to interpret your education. You understand? When I was a young pastor in my spiritual father's church, there used to be this fresh graduate who felt that we knew nothing, and he used to come around corporate, young corporate people in the church. And during those days, when you come out to invest, you're already an old man. And they used to call me and other pastors to try to, to uh, evaluate our sermons based on their corporate knowledge. And wanted my spiritual father to run the church as if we are running some bank. You, you, you know? So we have to look at all these your experiences and the friends around you can mold you and shape you. Those of you in the Bible school, you'll be hearing people saying all manner of things. Those of you in relationships, those of you who are married, people will say all manner of things to you based on their limited knowledge and limited owners. There are people who are very bitter in life and they, want, they, don't, they don't understand why you are a Fanta you are a Fanta, so sweet, and they are Akwetashi. You, you have to be Akwetashi with me. No, you have to be Akwetashi with me. You, you come to church, you are the all the jolly type who is going around saying, praise the Lord. And then you go, hey, be careful, oh. Be careful in this church, oh. The way you are going about making everybody your friend. Very soon you will see what they will do to you. Be careful. That's why me, that's why me, I come in alone, I live alone. It, it, nobody has offended you. It is your nature. Open tokwa. And obi pen tokwa. If you say, ah, the pakona is not measuring up. You are very melancholic in your nature. You are not happy about so many things. Don't even understand why. Why people should even be happy about football. The football Somebody is doing his cook at Cook at eh? You see, people have things that make them happy. Have things that make you can't you can't you can't let everybody you see, you see, your opinion, your lies, and this thing, it's not the rule, it's not a general rule. Oh, Listen, allow God to form you. Okay, now, society. When you meet a Nigerian, it's different from a Ghanaian. When you meet a Burkina Faso, it's different from a Malian. Your society has a way it tries to shape you. Okay? It tries to shape you. Your society has a way it tries to. I mean, like even in Ghana, if you grow up in, I grew up in Alabraka. Kevin grew up within four walls of the church. So Kevin is gentler. He's more gentle, calmer. Me, Auntie Alima Oh, my God. Zara Koko. Oh, 
I grew up on those things. Kevin grew up on SMA, Latogene, and you see the way mommy will be missing. I don't know if you remember when Kevin was not eating and you used to help us a lot. You go and buy different things to try to get Kevin to eat and all those things. And you force Kevin and Kevin say that we eat. And, and then we are all talking and say, I won't eat. Me. Sure. My mother's breast got finished before I was six months. I had to, <laughs> I had to find other things to start eating. I remember, I remember this woman that had a son called Aziz. Aziz. And this woman didn't have money to buy different food for Aziz. So he goes to buy Kokonte. And, uh, and Aziz was like six months. And uh, Kokonte, the soup, was very hot. And I recall all our chobas, our soups were hot. But it was a hot life. Every soup was hot. So do you know what this woman was doing to Aziz? So this woman takes one kokote, puts it in the soup, eats it, takes Aziz kokote, washes it in water to get the um, pepper away and, and then put Aziz's mouth. Aziz would take it. Oh! Aziz became two years old. If you see Aziz walking, <laughs> kokote plus water. Ah! And then you see all this. So that woman had a sister who lived well, who bring also her two-year-old son. And you see that boy and Aziz. They'll be playing over toys. A toy Aziz will take the toy. Hey, hey! And push. And the toy will be like this. Oh! Our societies and how they build us. How they build us and how they change us and all those things. But you see, that's why God recreates you anew in Christ. So that the old things will pass away. Your old experiences, all the things that want to shape you to become something else will pass away. Your family, you are born into a certain family and the family wants to shape you. There are examples in the family. Your mother had four children with four men. You don't understand why you should waste your time with one man. You understand? Your father had eight wives. And you think six means you are even better. <laughs> you, you know? So all these values that are in your family really shape you. They shape you. Do you understand? There are some families, disrespect to elders is normal. Some families you cannot. My mother went to Wesley Girls School. And my father was a priest in the Methodist Church. My home was a place of, of, of discipline. One time I was talking to my mother and I was pointing. You were asking me a direction. I was pointing. She said, you can't talk to your mother with your finger into her face. I put my hand at the back. I said, mama, so far, not far, not far. <laughs> and, and then she said, how can you give me direction like that? I didn't know what to do. I really didn't know what to do. So you, you, you see, Mommy will tell you I'm always around home, office, church, home, office, church, home. Because that's the way my, my father will not eat when he gets home and one of his children is not at home and you are not being sent. He doesn't understand why if you are not being sent, you are not at home. Or if you are not in school or being sent, you are not at home. You will leave the food and so we all knew when my father will come. Once my father, we know that my father is coming home around this time. We all go and meet at home. And when he comes home too, he does not understand why you are at home and you're not doing anything. So either you take a book to read, I will usually go back to the dishes I wash already to continue to wash. So as she comes to, he comes to meet me doing something, my big sister Franklin will take a Bible and start reading. My big brother, brother will find something to do. All of us must do something before he enters. And when he enters, he will usually also come with bananas and oranges. You carry them, enter the house. And Yovi, that's how he used to call me. Say, Papa, what's he called? Hey? Papa, uh, Frankie, Papa, you know? And you also call us with our local names. 
So that me, for fifty day, for sixty, or do Ibia, Manfoa, or Febia, Brepo, forty months, and then Sewa. You will call all of us our names to come and collect what is brought. If one does not respond, present daddy, ah, you are in trouble. You will come and the rest of us will not start eating the bananas and the mangoes. He has to go and look for the other sheep that is not in the pen. You understand? It's the reason why I introduce in my house what I call um, I'm counting my children. And we enjoy that relationship. That relationship we had with my father. We truly enjoyed it, all of us to ourselves. And we really enjoyed that close, knitted relationship and friendship. So it formed my opinion about building relationships and all those things, okay? And then, so I spoke in, uh, and then finance. Money can change people. Money can kill people. Money can, somebody told me, yes, I think Pastor Dina told me that thing. He said, Daddy, don't mind anybody who is calling you daddy today? He said, because we are all poor boys. Wait until we start making money and see who will still call you daddy. And he's still here. And I won't do he's still here. And true, true, true. Some people make money and oh, they, they stop calling me daddy. Instead of calling me your son. <laughs> God bless you. So next week, Wednesday, uh, show me the next slide. Let me show you something. So next week, Wednesday, I'll talk about discovering the clay, developing the clay, designing the clay, drying the clay, decorating the clay, and the durability of the clay, and finally delivering the clay. I'll see you next week. God bless you. Thank you for joining me tonight. I hope it's been a blessing to you, and you want to be a vessel in the hands of God. Lift up your two and say, Lord, help me to serve you, and pray. Just pray right now. Lift up your voice and pray. Lift up your voice and pray. Lift up your voice and pray. Just lift up your voice and pray.